One of the things that comes with the nature of my job is that I often get asked questions. And some of the questions uh, have to do with the church, and they have to do with why we do some of the things that we do, or maybe, you know, the, why do we dress the way we do in worship? Uh, what do we do, like, in sacraments? And, and the, the question around sacraments is in probably the top five that I'll get asked all the time. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to teach, a, maybe more so a teaching sermon than what we would probably say a normal sermon, and, and I want to talk a, a little bit about baptism. Uh, last week, we looked at communion, uh, sacrament in the church. I want to look at now baptism and, and to, to talk about it, about why we do what we do and, and what, what's, what's at stake and what, what does baptism mean. But before I want to do it, I want you to think with me about a question. Whenever you, where it could be in your own life, it could be in your family's life, when you experience something that's meaningful, something that's important, how do you let people know? I would imagine you talk about it. Uh, if you're like my family, we normally take pictures. And if you were to go to my house or to my brother's home, one of their homes, to to my mother's home, you would notice upon walking through the door, there are pictures everywhere. And there are pictures normally with us in them. And, and every picture, if, you, if we had a chance to talk about it, we would talk about the experience or the moment that's behind the photo. Now, I'm not really much on social media. You probably could check it out on my wife's Facebook or Instagram or whatever the other ones that you use. I mean, you can, you can look there. She's, she's good about posting those. But what we normally do is we mark it. And we normally mark it with something like a picture or something that's physical. And whatever we use to mark it, it stands for something meaningful. Now, when it comes to God, people have long marked a meaningful encounter with God with something physical or tangible. They've been doing this since day one. Earliest examples in the book of Genesis, altars. They would build an altar, which was really in the beginning nothing more than a pile of rocks. Maybe they'd pile of rocks about three, four, five feet tall, and, and the rocks were an outward sign of what God either did or is doing in the life of a person or a people. And so you can't read in the Old Testament where, where that they would build an altar. In the very beginning, it was rocks. Over time, it became more ornate. They became more detailed. They became more defined. So if you go and read from Genesis into Exodus and then from Exodus into Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you'll notice that the altars become more defined. But it still is the same thing because the altars were a consecrated area that was an outward symbol to describe what it was like for people to encounter a holy God. See it in Noah? After the flood, first thing he does, builds an altar. You see it with Abraham? Abraham actually built three, and they became places, geographical places that were like anchors for his life because in those areas is where he encountered God. And when he traveled into other areas and things didn't go right for him, he would always come back to that one centering place. And it'd be a reminder of that holy experience. 
Same thing with Isaac, same thing with Jacob. How many of you know the, the hymn, Come Thy Fount? You know, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing, right? Do you know verse 2? In verse 2, it says something. It says, here I raise my what? Well done, you. Here I raise my Ebenezer. What's an Ebenezer? You know what the literal definition is? A stone of help. It has its origin back in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, for 20 years, the Philistines owned the Israelites. Anytime that they had a battle or there were skirmishes, it didn't matter. For 20 years, two decades, Philistines won until 1 Samuel chapter 7. Under the direction of Samuel at that time was the chief prophet and, and Saul, the first king. For the first time in 20 years, the Israelites were able to defeat the Philistines. You know where the place of the victory? You know what it was called? Ebenezer. You know what they did? They made an altar. A pile of rocks. So that when they passed by, or when anybody would pass by, they would be reminded of that day. They would be reminded of what it was like to God to work inside of their life on that day. It was a physical symbol, a physical representation of God's work. Now, there are others. I mean, we do something similar to this in our society. Um, how many people, when you're traveling and you see those little signs on the side of the road that says, on this day something great happened, and you stop and read about them? Anybody in here do that? Go ahead, Brooke, raise your hand. <laughs> she will all day long. The first time we traveled, I mentioned this to the 9 o'clock service, we were, we, first time we traveled to Nova Scotia, I had this itinerary of all the things I thought was going to be great which revolved around different oysters that I wanted to eat and these places I wanted to go and, and the food. I, I, just all these things I'd heard about, I'd researched. And the first place we stopped on day one, where was it? It was a cemetery. Because it's one of the oldest cemeteries in, the, you know, in, uh, in Canada. And we, for I don't know how long, but it was definitely too long, looked at all the headstones, going back to, I don't know what, the 1400s, 50, it was, it was, boy, let me tell you, it was the best part of the trip. I got to redeem myself, and I cannot wait to go back there with you. I just want you to know. <laughs> but we do that. We mark those places of significance. Maybe the one that we all are familiar with, wedding rings. What does it say in the liturgy? Outward sign, inward and spiritual grace, unifying what? This man, this woman, in holy matrimony, through the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Outward symbol of something on the inside. Now in the Bible and all throughout the church's history, so you can go back for, for over 2,000 years, baptism is the symbol to illustrate God's work in the life of the person. 
an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace where God is either working or has worked in the life of a person. We experience God's grace. We're witness of God's grace. We participate with God's grace of something that's going on the inside, something spiritual, something mystical. But since we're the only one, so that others would know, we mark it. And we mark it with what? A symbol. And so baptism is that symbol. Tangible for all to see. The same way that that Ebenezer and those altars were used in the Old Testament, it is shouting out to everyone, hey, this is a consecrated space. This is a sacred space. This is to remind not just the participators, but all of what God has done. So what is it about baptism? What's it marking? What's it signifying? For one, it signifies that God marks the person. Think ownership. It's an old movie, but it's by far the best one. Do you remember the movie Toy Story? The little animated movie? Who's the cowboy? Woody? What does Woody have on his right boot? Whose name? Andy's. Why? Because he'll know who he belongs to. And he won't forget it. And what happens in baptism is God marks the person. Says, this one is mine. He or she belongs to me. Romans 6, that's the text that Grace read, 3 and 4. In this marking, we identify with the death of Christ, but we also identify and participate with the resurrection of Christ. We sing a song in the 9 o'clock service that says, The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Maybe the best analogy for us, skin grafts. Where you take one organism, the life that's in one, and it be, it be, the life in one is, is transferred over to the life of another. On my... Uh, the year that I actually won Dad of the Year was when we lived in Macon. And Brooke was out with some friends, and we, I was taking Connor and Caroline. I, I don't know how old they were. They, they were very young. And I was reading to them by our fire, and it was in the winter. And, and when, we got, when we got up for bed, she pushed off the side of the fireplace, and she burned her wrist. Well, she only cried for like a second. What I learned is that you actually can burn it It can be so hot and burn it so quickly that it actually kills all the nerve endings. Well, she stopped crying after a few minutes, so I thought she was okay until Brooke got home and then began to tell me that, way to go, Dad. So we ended up in Augusta, and they had to drill down and scrub down to where they could find blood flowing again. And then they did a graft where you had blood from one organism now being transferred into another organism to bring back life. Same thing. It's a picture, a symbol of that sacred work of God where God says to all, 
this one belongs to me. And they participate in my death, and they participate in my resurrection. Not, not only that, it, it's a commission for ministry, the Matthew 28 passage. There are two different callings inside the church. One that I'm most familiar with is call for ordination. That's a specific call where there's someone that is given gifts. Everybody has gifts for ministry. The difference between those that are ordained and those that are not is that the church says, we recognize your gifts in helping us fulfill our ministry. But everyone has a general call to ministry. So if you've been baptized, you have been commissioned so that when you cross the threshold of this church, you go out into a mission field. The way the New Testament describes it, you're an ambassador for Christ. You represent Christ out into the world. Priesthood of believers, which means when you leave here, we're all priests. And so part of what we own and we claim as being baptized people is that we're sent out into ministry. And by the way, in the passage, it's a command, which means it's not negotiable. We are all sent to represent Jesus in the world. The participles, as you're going, baptizing, teaching. But also don't forget, you're not alone. Because right after Jesus uttered the command to go and to make disciples, he reminded you and me that I am with you, even to the end of the age. I can't tell you how many times I forget this, so I hope you're not like me. It is easy to think that what you do outside of this place, you do it by yourself. You're not alone. God will never ask you to do something that He is not willing to do or not willing to walk with you as y'all do it together. You're not alone in ministry. And then the last thing is incorporation into the fellowship, into the body of Christ. Like a ritual or rite of initiation. And so there's individual vows, but then also there's, there's, there's fellowship vows, there's communal, there's congregational vows. You just witnessed. You actually just took one. Little William, we see you, we welcome you, we walk with you. And the symbol of that, the outward sign of that, what's on the inside, the vows that you make, the vows that his parents made, baptism. Water, from the ancient world, Still today, a sign of washing. In the New Testament, a sign of the presence of God. Laying on of hands is the transmission of the Holy Spirit, the symbol of that.
the marking, the commissioning, the, in, the incorporating in. And it's also a sign of blessing. This is why we do what we do. It's to mark something. Not just to remind ourselves, but to say to everyone else, God marks this child. God commissions us into ministry. And he walks with us in the community. And so we mark it. It's sacred, consecrated, because of his presence here. So every time we baptize someone, this is what we're signifying. Lord, we give thanks for these outward signs of inward graces, how you work and move. You work, Lord, in so many different ways. Sometimes it's in the act of holding a bread and cup. Sometimes it's in the act of, of water and the laying on of hands. And in all of this, we give thanks, O oh God, for your promise to be with us. So guide us and direct us, we pray. And we pray this in your name. Amen.